0: Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Dope. Welcome to another episode of Sweat Equity. We are in Venice and the sun has came through. Yeah. We are seeing the light. It was a rough three days. Hell yeah. You were you almost didn't make it through. Yeah, you texted it, me it was, and I was like, dark. dude, I think I'm I'm gonna die in, in Venice. It was looking dark in San Diego <laughs> for, for pockets. He sent me a whole screenshot. I was just like, this is this is looking rough. That's the
1: longest time I've gone without seeing the sun for a minute. I
0: like, felt like an entire different man walking the boardwalk today. Yeah.
1: Entirely no different. Yeah. I think Zara was smiling actually a little more too. Look at her. She's crashed out. Yeah.
0: But today we got Kane Sutter. Kane, you're becoming one of I mean, I I told you this when you and I spoke few weeks ago, like you're becoming one of my favorite creators to, to watch and it's dope to have you here. I appreciate you driving from San Diego, but before we dive into it, give, give a little bit of background, how you went from Deloitte to full-time creator, cause that's, that's a big sure. switch up. Um, yeah. Let's, let's get that. Yeah,
2: it's been a ride. So I kind of, I went to school and like in college, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to yeah. start, start, do something in business. And I wasn't really sure exactly what. So we started our first company at the end of uh, our se- my senior year. And that kind of gave me the startup bug, although it failed failed big time. Well, what like, was the company? So we we say like micro, micro crowdsourcing recommendations. So it was called Talio. Uh-huh. So the whole idea was like, when we were in college, I went to Miami of Ohio. It was like 40 minutes to the nearest mall. And so in the winter we wanted to ski half our house. Didn't know, didn't have ski clothes or know how to ski. Yeah. So we drove to the mall. And we're at like Dick Sporting Goods or something. And we're looking between the jackets and the goggles and we're able to like narrow down between the brands that we recognize, like Burton, Oakley, whatever. But we didn't know which pieces to buy. And so we texted our friends in the group chat back at home. No one was answering, no one was answering. And that kind of like planted the seed of this idea of people make so many decisions every single day and they're able to kind of narrow down their choices. But ultimately you want like a recommendation from yeah. a, rel- a relative expert to you. That could be like, a guy who runs a ski shop or just like your yeah. friend who's good at skiing. And so we built an app that this was before like Twitter polls, before any polling app, this was in 2015. Um, we worked with the dev shop to build this app where you basically create these micro comparisons and then either send them. The idea was to get like community, community pools of experts yeah. and you could send them out and get rapid feedback. And then the whole idea was we would sell that data set back to the brands. So like how valuable would it be if we could go to Nike and say, Hey, at the point of decision, not the point of purchase, like if, at Dick Sporting Goods, Nike gets all that data back of like, oh, they bought this many yellow shoes. But at the point of decision, they chose Adidas over you in this region with this type of skew for this reason. Yeah. That kind of point of decision data doesn't exist. So we were like, that could be extremely valuable. Yeah. And this was way before like any of the polling stuff. We obviously went down that road, built a prototype. People were like, it, it, was, it was good, but it was V1 janky. And at that time, people were like, uh. We didn't get enough data or signal back on the concept. And then the polls launched. I think looking back, it's clear that people didn't want like another social app, even back then, So it's even more crowded now, but we raised like a little bit of friends and family money to, to do that. Um, and that whole experience like gave me the startup bug. Yeah. Failed obviously, but learned a ton. The assets were acquired back by the investors. So, you know, we didn't make any money. Did but anything come of it? No, I just think, it was like a, an amazing experience at 21 to like go through the whole process of like, okay, here's an idea, build a deck, raise money, f- like, you know, try to interview these dev shops, work with them, try to figure out what product management is, build it, mm. try to test it. Like it was- At it was, 21,
0: that's a fucking, that's a thing to learn. Yeah. Like, it, that, is a, that is amazing
2: to learn. It was a good little like batch experience. And what that taught, I mean, it taught me a ton of things, but basically during that process, I had an offer to go to Deloitte Consulting, like during senior year. Yeah. And so, basically I had like a hedge, which I, in hindsight, you don't really want a hedge. You kind of want to go all in. in. So at that time, like, as as the thing wasn't working and we didn't even know what we were doing, we were 21, we'd never Mm -hmm. done before, but as it wasn't working, we like didn't push through that resistance. We kind of were like, oh, well, we could like go. My my co-founder went to Google and I went to Deloitte Consulting. So we were like, we had a backup plan. Yeah. (laughs) So ended up going to Deloitte Consulting. I hated consulting immediately. Like first five minutes, I was like, this is the dumbest thing. Um, but I didn't know any better. Like I was kind of conditioned in, I grew up in Ohio. I was conditioned to like go that consultant banker route. Yeah. So did that my whole strategy was like, okay, I know I hate this. Let me try to stick it out for two years. I'm going to, I'm going to try to like work as little as I can to get by and spend all of the time and money on side projects to try to get something working. So that was my like whole plan. Yeah. So I, I tried a bunch of stuff. Like I was a rapper, tried to do the music thing for a while. I tried to build a morning brew for wellness. So literally their playbook, but just for wellness. And then I saw Andrew Huberman's podcast. And I was like, this is, I am <laughs> like, not winning. I'm I, not yeah, winning. This I'm not, right a, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Credentials could, we're lacking a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had a podcast where I interviewed founders and then this web three wave, we tried to do like a clothing brand on web three rails. So did a bunch of like different things. But the reason I say all these things is because I was basically, I think I think business boils down to two things. So like what you make and then how you sell it. And it's mm. really that simple. And so I was focused on the what you make, but I had no audience or distribution, yeah. any way to get signal back if it was even working. So even if I had the sickest clothes or like the, the best newsletters, I had no audience. So after like continue, continual attempts and kind of like low signal burnouts, I was kind of like, let me pause, zoom back and let, let's just go all in on building the audience first and like really learning how to sell yeah. and market. And then I can, basically spend a decade building an audience and then a lifetime selling them products. And so that's a year ago, I was like, all right, sick. I I know nothing about video editing, but I kind of canvassed the content options, chose short form video. And I was like, I'm just gonna become sick at this. And that was a year ago. And so it's, I think like the first 20 videos were obviously trash. I had one that had like relative success, like a couple hundred thousand views. Which was all I needed as like a signal to be like, there's something here. Yeah. And so I now I like fast forward to now for people listening who haven't seen me before, I've been doing short form kind of like three or four times a week. We just launched a podcast. I have a yeah. newsletter, so I'm I'm kind of in that like expansion of the content universe.
1: Yeah. No, I I read your first blueprint uh, about an hour ago just to like do some research on you. And you said in your 21st video, that was the first one to get 100k views. Yeah. Uh, in your 41st, that was the first one to get a million plus. Your hundred and twenty first was the first one to get five million, and then it took one hundred and fifty five videos to get to ten million views. yeah, ten million plus views on a video. so, a lot that's of reps. The, that's the tough thing. That's like, a lot of reps. It's a yeah. lot of reps, dude. And, yeah. and you know, you also mentioned in in the newsletter that each one takes you two to four hours. Yeah, there's even more now. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a lot of hours deep by the time you're seeing that kind of signal. Yeah,
0: and there's so many skills that go into those reps. It's not like shooting a free throw, right? Where you can get 500 reps in a day, and it's just like it's so simple. Yeah, there's uh there's the sound design. There's finding the like doing transitions. The, the pacing, like there's so much that goes into one rep yeah and then the second rep and, and whatnot, like the amount of hours going into that craft is absurd. Yeah.
2: There's this thing I call the, the artist gap, which I don't know if I wrote about in that one, but it's basically like the gap between where your skills are today and like what your taste or vision wants it to be. And the broader that gap, the more frustrating it is to like make stuff. Cause you're like, ah, it's not where I want it to be. And the the closer you get to closing that gap, the easier it will be to like achieve whatever you want. Yeah. And at the beginning, the gap is the widest, and it yeah. sucks. Like it because you know it can be better. You're watching other people on social, not even jealous, but like as a benchmark of like what quality looks like. So it was a tough, it was a tough time that first yeah. couple months.
0: There's so much friction at that beginning when you're trying to learn so many new things at one time and yeah. trying to make them good. Until you get like that bit of momentum, you're like, okay, I'm kind of streamlining this a bit, and I'm getting a little better every single day. And then that's when I feel like you have those those inflection points where you get a video to pop off.
2: Yeah. And some of it is luck too. Like, yeah, it's like, it's almost like the, the luck rewards the effort, but it, you don't, you can't predict the timing of that. So you just have to like stay in the game, just yeah. keep, keep taking it. I always say like the best quality rep you can possibly take today. And then the goal is to iterate. So the next rep is like a little better, but it's yeah. hard to iterate after a certain time because you don't know what to change, Yeah, which is
1: frustrating too, but. So something I'd love for the audience, like, You know, you're someone who transitioned from a really massive corporation into full-time as a creator. Like talk about when you thought you were ready to make that jump. And then maybe when you actually made the jump, like, was there a big Delta there?
2: Yeah. So basically my, my time at uh, Deloitte Consulting broke into like two phases. The first was like the pure strategy consulting, which I like the part that I hated, that was like two years. And at that time I was trying to make a jump. I tried to go to Google Uber and like 2017. And that's, that's two years in. That was two years yeah, in, yeah. And I didn't really have like, t- I didn't really have a skill set. Like in consulting, the skill set is like communication, PowerPoint building. Like it's valuable, but it's like kicking the can down the road. Yeah, like, like if you're going to go to Uber and you're going to try to be like in marketing or in growth or in product, like, yeah. you got to know either marketing, growth, or product, or come in at a very entry level and they'll train you. I like wanted to come in above entry level, but I had no skills, so it was tough to leave. So when I, I was trying to figure out like, what do I do? I don't have an idea to build. I don't know where to go and I found like an internally incubated startup at Deloitte called Pixel, which mm. basically like through like a little bit of a laissez-faire attitude and also this rebellious nature, they were kind of operating like this little pocket that didn't have as much top-down you know hierarchy. And yeah. through some like lucky bounces, I ended up like, l- like running that group when mm. I was like 23, because whoever was running it like went on maternity leave and then they never backfilled. So because of that, it was like, I was running my own little startup within and because, and I could grow faster, but mm-hmm. also like spend my other time on these side attempts. And so in terms of like when I was ready to leave, I kind of, I kind of had a sick setup. Like I was working like 15, 20 hours a week, making a good salary and trying to really like throwing myself at the wall on these other side things. But I re- at some point it clicked like maybe. Three years into that, my learning plateaued and it just clicked that Like if you if you really wanna go do something else, you have to go all in because the only way you'll force yourself to have the skills catch up is to like put yourself in the water and like sink or swim. Yeah. So it was that. And then my wife went to business school and when she came out, she went back to Deloitte. And I was like, I kind of asked myself like, what would it be like if I had a, a VC that was just paying my salary? And if I had that, I would just go like take a rip. And yeah. I effectively, that's what she, Became for me. So she's been rolling the content. Yeah. She's she's the beast. Yeah. She's the beast. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So it's, it's not as though, it's not as though, you know, we're like luxury rich, but I was just like, if. Yeah. If, I can, if I could get 5K a month draw from a VC yeah. without taking any of my like yeah. personal equity, what would that look like? I would go do whatever. And so I kind of like reframed and looked at it like that.
1: It's kind of funny how many successful entrepreneurs, like the backbone of it is like the wife or 100%. health insurance. 100, you know? <laughs> percent like the one that like kind of maintains that stability.
2: Yeah, she, I mean, she's a rock. Like I, without her, like in, the, in my life, basically she's like the operator of my life. And so yeah. it wouldn't clear up any, any brain space, like do anything else if I didn't have her.
0: But I agree with you, you have to have your back against the wall to, to be able to go into something and just be successful at it and to have to figure it out. Like I did it with Marketing Exam and I left Collective, which is a great job, CMO there. And we had an agency called Rare, like that's how I know a lot of them. Um, say a lot of them. Yeah, say, nobody, everybody got, left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, is, are
1: we boring? <laughs> like yeah. Charles,
0: Charles and Gus and shit. Uh. But I left my my job two weeks before Zara was born. And it was like, we gotta get this, we gotta figure this out. Yeah a month and a half later, we hit record numbers, like for, for market exam and growth, yeah. all, all those things. But when your back's against the wall and you're like, I have no way to, like, I have to succeed. If not, like, I got to go back to the thing that I don't want to do. Yeah. You'll do incredible things. It's win
2: or die. Yeah. That's, that's the, attitude. the best thing about a corporate job you hate is that, you know, you have something to run from. So like people who start entrepreneurship when they're 21 and they have never worked a corporate job they hate, they, they can, they can be as driven as they personally can propel themselves. But there's, You run faster when there's a bear chasing you than when there's like gold at the rainbow so i have a huge bear behind me of like i'm not going back there like i know how bad it sucks and so i actually think it's kind of beneficial to like work a shitty job for like six months just so you can have that fire always behind
0: you yeah the one thing i do like about certain jobs is you could use certain uh jobs as like stepping stones to who you want to be or like for sure what do you want to learn with the hustle Me being there, I got to learn from Sampar on how to build a media company. And that was just a stepping stone for me that when I took the leap, the leap was a lot easier. I knew how to succeed there. I knew how to monetize. I knew how to grow the thing. The other jobs I wish I would have maybe done like a six month stint would have been either Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, something on the creator side where all these creators that are now uh, kind of growing. One of my favorites is like John... Yashua or something? Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, like oh the- yeah,
2: yeah, Yashay or whatever. Yeah, Yashay yeah, or something. He like interviews
0: big YouTubers. Yeah, but he was like at YouTube. He was at Instagram and yeah. knew how to just make great content. Started yeah, It's a super, and just it's a hack. Yeah, dude, it was such a hack that he's yeah. like fast tracking his his success by being at those companies. Yeah,
2: my thinking is there's two reasons why you should have a job. One is if the person you work for, like your direct manager, you want to be like one day, and you want to like get the sawdust off of them or two is if you're actually learning a hard skill that you would then want to apply. So like for you, you had both. You yeah. were learning from Sampar and you were learning a hard skill that you could apply. Yeah. For me, I had neither. So like the skill I was learning, communication like broadly is very helpful of course, yeah. but like after a certain point, you really need hard skills in this world. Like most people try to play The only skill I had is how to play corporate politics. Yeah. So I think that's, if you're at a job and neither of those are true, you should either change your job right away or, or look to leave. But if those are true, it can serve you. Like it can be really helpful.
1: Which I think is, you know, helpful advice for people that are dissatisfied with that lifestyle. Yeah. But it is also, a lot of people just don't have that driving 100%. ambition to like control their life. Yeah, they, They're down for like a six figure salary, yeah. like 30 hours a week. And that's great. And that's like, perfect. Like that is really, ch- like it's A hundred percent. A lot of those people are way happier than most of my entrepreneur friends. Yeah, Like <laughs> the being biggest, an entrepreneur, low key fucking sucks. It sucks, it sucks. Yeah.
2: The biggest difference is just like how you're wired. Like right. I can't do you don't it have that a way. Yeah, I don't have a choice. Like, right. I was just, my brain was just wired to like run. Right. Like, so I just have, have to, to do it. it yeah. out. But most people don't have that switch. And then they like see this type of content and yeah. they they ask themselves, like, but they feel bad. Like, they're yeah. like, should I? It's like, no, if you, if you have if the it ability you, to chill, it just
0: chill. It's very simple. I
2: think yeah.
1: one thing that really stood out to me when I was reading up on you was like your attention to detail yeah. in, yeah, in your newsletters that. are like your communication is very succinct. Like, I want to talk about how you write your newsletter. Like, do you, how many drafts does it take? and how many revisions like walk us through your process because every line fucking matters. Yeah. And I think that's really important.
2: It's just one, I just do it in one shot. Basically like my whole, my whole theory with the newsletter was my, my take on advice is that I don't really listen to advice. I hate when people give advice because it lacks context and like context is everything. So like if someone came in here and was like, you guys should do the podcast this way, I'm a 10 year vet, I did it this way. It's like, there's stuff you can learn from them for sure. But, I want to know what they did at year one. Like I want, I want instead of them telling me what to do, I just want to look into the window of them at that time. The problem is like platforms change, markets change. So even that is like not super relevant 10 years later. So my my take was like with Blueprint, A, I think it's sick if you document the whole way, like look like really from the beginning. Like yeah. I I have, I started with like almost nothing in terms of the business and social. So I was like, that'll be sick 10 years from now when when we've done something dope, it'll be sick to read those yeah, like my sure. my family and me. But yeah. two is like, when someone's, when someone catches me five years from now and they're like, oh, I, I love this guy, whatever. I want them to be able to go back and look in the window in week one or week 10 or week 40 and be like, damn, this dude was sh-. like, this is how he thought through emotionally the roller coaster. Like I'm super vulnerable in these newsletters because I think then that person can read it and choose to pull what they want. But it's not me like telling them what to do. It's just me showing them what I did. Yeah. And so, the way I write it is like throughout the week, I just have a note and anything that pops into my head, frameworks, ideas, experiments I ran, I'll just throw it in the note. And then on Sundays, every Sunday I sit down, I go through the metrics of like how, how every video performed. And then I just look at the list and I was like, what are the most interesting things to me? Like three to five interesting things to me. And I just, I just flow. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think too much about it. I really don't edit it. Like once I write it, I read through it once for like spelling errors, but, and then I just let it rip
0: yeah what is so let's dive into that because I, I feel like you're giving away your secret sauce and people tell you not to do that yeah i'm fine why do you think that. it's important doing that and like especially with i guess for that entrepreneur that's maybe two years behind you yeah. that wants to essentially follow your steps
2: yeah i want to i want to give it all away i want to open source the whole thing because my, my my thinking is that like the how is not the how is not protectable there's no moat around the how like you can hold knowledge but the thing that makes you unique, one of one is the sauce. It's like the intangible combination of your skills and interests and like the way you are. No one will ever be able to replicate that because everyone's unique. so my my take is like how do I build the most goodwill and trust with like people that I want to spend yeah. time with, creators and entrepreneurs? Just give it all away. and like if there's a hundred people making videos trying to make videos like me using the tactics, they won't have the unique combination and flavor or whatever that I put on it, so it'll be different anyway and also unless they start from within, they're not gonna have the drive to withstand. Like they're not gonna have longevity. So yeah. like I can give them the how and they'll, they'll go down that path. And if it's led with inauthenticity, they'll just stop.
1: Kind of reminds me of like when uh, a founder will be like, oh, I'll talk to you about my idea, but like you have to sign an NDA yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, brother, I'm not stealing that shit. Exactly, you know? exactly. Like, no uh, one
2: will steal any idea yeah. because the amount of, the amount of pushing the ball uphill that it takes to go from idea to anything is so massive that, yeah. Even if you had the best idea in the world, if if it's not implanted in someone's brain that they want to do it, they won't do it. I need to be better at that. I gatekeep. Yeah, I don't put it out there. And I but you gatekeep it. because you're you're afraid that someone will run the playbook better than you, or you're just like your brain is just wired to
1: be like I. Sh- I mean, people would love sick. to I see you build marketing and examine more in public.
0: I think the, like people don't even know how we're trying to scale it. Yeah, no one who knows. who we're going after, like we're going after Harvard Business Review, trying to do HBR and complex like. We we do campaigns, right? Like I think a lot of it goes back to what you're saying. Of I try to figure out what can we do that's one of one. Yeah. Like even our newsletter, I don't know. If, again, if you read it, but it's for the visual learner.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. Not, I like how you put so many images. And, yeah, like,
0: cut dude, up the data. and It's stuff. not like an actual newsletter. It's, it's really a ton of graphics with like sentences and bullet points yeah. between it. But it's for the visual learner. And,
1: and let's talk like real quick about, okay, so like the pros and cons yeah, I was of about you sharing that. that publicly. So let's just say one of your competitors, one of those other mid-ass marketing newsletters, yeah, mid, um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, But If are. you're watching. Yeah, no, it's you. You know yeah, who you are. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They 100% know who they are. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, all they do is offer you that primary sponsorship charge like a certain cpm cost per thousand impressions yeah. and then give you a guarantee of clicks 250 clicks most of them ghost clicks because a lot of newsletters don't actually have engaged followings yeah and yours is engaged people reply to your newsletter stuff like that if you were actually tweeting about these campaigns i think not only is it going to potentially get stolen by people that don't have the same affinity with their audience i think you would in turn be giving prospects like a basis of context that is gonna help your salespeople.
2: You're basically running a two-sided play. One side is like you want marketers to read it and you're not charging them anything at this point. I don't know if you will, but right now you're charging them nothing and you're you want like a one of one experience where that you're the place where marketers go. So there's like that. The other side is like you want brands to pay to get in front of those marketers. So the pros of like running this strategy of like completely open sourcing, marketers aren't getting that anywhere else. So like you have a way better offer to give them when you write it over here. The con is you are potentially negotiating against yourself if you open source the numbers. So like something that I do is yeah. I share my, my income in this little graph. And like, if I do one brand deal in a week and I write the like brand deals, 7k, anyone can tell that that's 7k. And so that I almost negotiate against myself with other brands. So like I had a thought at one point where I was like, should I put this behind a paywall or should I like gate the income part just so I don't hurt myself? Not because I don't want to share it with others. But then where I landed was just like, it's so unique and so one of one that the pros of the like entrepreneurs and creatives is, is who I'm writing it for. The pros of the entrepreneurs and creatives getting to see that in my thing where they don't see it anywhere else, I think will outweigh any con of any like, like what, what, Person on the marketing team at some brand is going to go all the way down like the rabbit hole to my newsletter that's not targeted at them. Yeah. And like, and like really, they're not going to do the due, due diligence. Yeah. No. So I just feel like it's that. But also, let's say you put the playbook out there. The reason it works for you is because your team is sick at like building the land, like actually doing the work. So even if you, even if you told someone, the Hey, the, yeah, exactly the sauce, even if you told someone the playbook was XYZ, yeah. if they can't execute against the playbook, they can try, but it's just a waste of time that's for bad. them. So, and I guess that,
0: that's always been my fear. Right, yeah. it's Like just it being replicated and it becoming a commodity instead of
1: differentiation. But anyone that's who could come into results though, right? Like if, if yeah, that's they, fair. if they do, that's fair. And that's the challenge with any business is like the offer can be good, but like longevity comes from yeah. actual performance, 100. how the product does. And that's so fair. if you're driving more ROI with the same strategy, people are going to eventually know that and like understand it. I mean, that's fair.
2: Anyone who re- could replicate it better than you, like from a tactical perspective, probably has either thought of doing it already or the, like the highest level idea form of that would be new to them, but they would probably come to that conclusion yeah. anyway. Cause once you do it, a brand is going to talk about that to others. Yeah.
1: So Another point of view I've always had on that is like, if they're copying you, then what's their next move? Exactly. Like, you're always, always going to be setting the pace anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're not gonna, they're not showing the original thinking that's yeah. required to stay ahead versus like they're trying to always just catch that's up fair. to you.
2: Yeah. The world, the world's getting so noisy. Like I think I read someone can cons- average people consume a thousand pieces of content every single day. And so the only way to really cut through is like the lazy way to say it is to be one of one. But really what that means is like if you did a summary teardown of a brand that they could have done, maybe if you got there first, you're one of one. But really, like they could do it better than you. But what they couldn't do better than you is talk about the custom packaging idea that you brought up yeah. and implemented first. Like that is really one of one. So if I'm following you for marketing guidance or marketing, you know, marketing frameworks, that's sick. Like that is, that's, that's Yeah.
0: I, I think the journey is the one of one too, right? Exactly. That I don't talk about, or a lot of, you do a good job of it and you're doing yeah. it with the blueprint, but yeah, it's like the, the journey. Well, how do you think about it then for a brand? Cause that's, that's a different, how a
2: brand does the journey. Yeah. How does it,
0: well, yeah, that, and how do they do something that's one of one versus one of many? Yeah. Because in brands, it it feels like it's just one of many, right? Like the, everything that you do on Facebook or Instagram or on, on meta, like in, on the ad platform, everything feels one of money. Any, have you put thought into that? So I
2: was thinking about that on the way up here, actually, if you, if you go back to first principles, like what is unique at a brand? It's the products they sell potentially. But if there's like a bunch of the same product in the market and it's not, it's the people that work at that brand, that com, that unique combination of people is one of one and I mean, it's probably, that's probably it. Like yeah. philosophy could be copied, products could be copied. But if you think about the hustle, like how, if the hustle had a series of like behind the build or whatever, what would that have been? Really, it just would have been like the office, but with Trung, you, Steph, like it's the people. Yeah, so yeah. what I think brands should do more is like, yes, the product is important, but I think you want to buy, people to buy into a narrative. And the best way to sell narrative is like the people at the company, because most brands that are successful have sick people there yeah. and they're just, it's like an asset that's really underutilized. Like they don't even, they don't talk about them. They don't show them on camera. So if you if you had like a video person that was dedicated, you know, like barstool, stool scenes, yeah, that's the best example. Cause like you watch stool scenes and yeah, like m- maybe there's a clip where like big cats holding up the Stella coffee in stool scenes, but it's not like a dedicated ad. And you just see, it's like that, that kind of organic product placement, you can deliver through yeah. this, storytelling of the people. And I think people just like narrative driven content.
1: I think you're hitting on something that a lot of people in our space probably don't appreciate, which is like, you can't just outsource everything to the cheapest option to get a minimum viable service done. Yeah, well said. A lot of the times, you know, I think Barstool is a great example. You bring them up like, dude, out of their acquisition price by pen, like how much of that was just literally Dave Portnoy, and part of my take. Yeah, yeah. Like probably 80% yeah, most of it, I would say. Yeah. You know, and, and it's something that I've been stewing on for a long time with uh, doing a segment on the pod about is like certain individuals can carry immense value to organizations. It's not like something that is, that's not a novel concept, but there's time and time again examples of this, like Pat McAfee, right? Now yeah, yeah. On ESPN. Yeah, yeah. Like he is, like ESPN cannot afford to lose him. Right. Like the way that their brand is going. And so he has so much leverage about it. And like, you know, that boils down all the way down to a company level where the hustle had staff, Alex Trung, like those are incredibly talented folks. They had yeah. a lot of other people that, you know, can almost form like a little hustle mafia yeah. afterwards. And that's what made it a, a really successful business versus yeah. most people in our world are like. I have a marketing assistant that I have in you know Latin America or Southeast Asia for a thousand dollars a month because I don't want to pay someone four thousand. Right, right. I am those people. I have editor and like that's an interesting idea of like
2: the when you're overpaying for talent in person in the U S. You're really hiring paid actors if you use the them future well. Future focused decision. Like, you like know what investing I mean? in an office is a set. Investing in talent in person is is like talent on because right. con- I think th- this is this is a <clears throat> this is the thing that I think most people think about the wrong way. Most brands everybody's trying to go viral. Everyone's yeah. trying to get the biggest reach top of funnel. But like, those aren't the people that buy. The people that buy are the people that watch stool scenes four times a week. They'll buy anything you sell. Yeah. And so the only reason people want to go viral is because they want to get more people to drop to the bottom to buy. So what you need is both, but like no no brand that I've seen, except for like uh, George Heaton's doing this well with like yeah, the behind is. the brand, even though he doesn't really lean into like his talent. It's mostly him, not like his his team. But like Brands should be, ha- every brand should have a stool scenes and then every brand should be trying to optimize for like millions top of funnel virality. And the whole goal is to try to get as many of those to stool scenes so that they can buy into the narrative, the people, the, the, the vision, and then they'll buy. I think most people miss that
0: bottom layer. And it's hard because the dopamine is just rarely at the bottom.
2: Yeah, well, those don't go viral. Yeah. That's the thing. Stole scenes is like
1: signs are, Playboy? Yeah. I <laughs> Man. No,
0: I know, it, it you just don't get that. Cause like- Stole
2: Scenes has like 14,000 viewers and yeah. something Barstool makes has 5 million, but what but people 14, miss- But those
0: 14,000 are fans. Yeah, that's
2: who buys. Yeah. And yeah. if if you're running a business, you want people to buy. But I
1: actually uh, would, and, and this is just healthy pushback, but I actually think Barstool's business is probably, is it primarily advertising? Is it not? Well, advertising- Because what not they then based. want to optimize for total impressions from their accounts, which is kind of more of a top of funnel viral so, thing? So on the
2: advertising side, the way to get consistent, why it's probably just pure CPMs, I agree. But like, there's probably some affiliate base. They have, they sell a shit ton of t-shirts, a lot Call of the merch. merch. They had subscriptions. They've experimented with like a bunch of things that would drop to the bottom. Yeah. But I, I agree, like you need both because if you just build the narrative based, you yeah. have a really small audience yeah. and you almost can't get escape velocity. If you just has the top of funnel, it's it's actually it's just a mirage. Like you have 5 million views every single day, but if you try to sell a t-shirt, you'll sell 10 shirts. Yeah. That's also a mirage. You need both. And yeah. most people can easily grapple with the top of funnel virality, but they're not doing the bottom. That's why I'm trying to do like this weekly blueprint video style vlog. We have the podcast cuz I want when people are willing to dive down the rabbit hole, I want something down there. And if you have enough down there, they'll buy from, like, cause I think about it in, I'm jumping all over the place. I'm gonna crack down on this coffee, but I think about it in this idea of content minutes. So, like, let's say it takes 60 content minutes to like red pill somebody. That's 60 shorts, 61 minute shorts, or one 60 minute podcast. Like it would take way more time for me to make 60 shorts but I can get a lot of people in the funnel and like they'll sample my shorts with like one or two minutes here, but I need them to go to the more efficient way to get content minutes, which is podcasts or whatever. So if you don't have both, like I started with just short form top of funnel, that's all I had. And what I noticed is like, I was like, all right, I can go viral at will. I can get millions every single day, but like it's gonna take me so long to get fandom. And I'm just starting a year in, I'm just starting to get people in the comments to be like, I love everything you put out, whatever. I wasn't getting that at all at the beginning because I only had two content minutes deep with each of these people. So that it's you need both. It's I also barbell. saw
1: in one of your things, uh, in one of your newsletters, you were talking about how Ben Shapiro, uh, like, stitched first with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he didn't credit and him at all. You extracted didn't him no yet. value out of that. I was, I was being, I was
2: being a whiner on that, but I've, I've come around on, on the philosophy. No, go <laughs> fuck Ben Shapiro yeah. for
1: that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's,
2: yeah, that's whack him. as shit. Yeah, it's whack. It's whack. Nah. It's whack as shit. What it's sucks attached. is that because TikTok- it took
0: no, it took more effort. To take you out then just leave you in yeah real, which know, is the whack part did i link to I, it
1: did you watch what he did like uh, did you watch his reaction no i, video? No, I can't because he's such a little prick yeah yeah, yeah no, it was definitely. so ridiculous
2: that like so if you take it and react and you it's like you watching it for 30 seconds and then you giving a take i'm like whatever i would love for you to tag me if it doesn't if yeah. it doesn't come to my like i use a bunch of source people's other source stuff for my videos yeah. and i flash it and i don't credit them because it would be too much work right but what he did is he took the video, downloaded it. It was, it was like the, a 70 second yes. video. He just looked at it for 70 seconds with no reaction like this, didn't even look up. And then at the very end, he's like, hmm, and that was it. Sounds fitting. That's amazing. That was the whole video. And, and, <laughs> and, and the annoying thing is TikTok pays you 60 cents CPMs af- on a minute plus. So like my initial video got 5 million views. His I think got two, So he made a few like $100 or a thousand bucks. Like to him, that's nothing, but still the principle of like- Yeah.
1: I feel like he owes you dinner a bottle of wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: I was whining about that but, for a while, but then I, I came around because, well, Mr. Beast's concept is like, you want everybody to rip you because then your face is yes. everywhere and it creates the echo chamber. I agree with that, but when you're, when you're not known, it, yeah. it, that same effect doesn't come true, right? On TikTok, someone might see me on his platform and be like, I've seen that face before, but then they have no way to track
0: it back, you know?
1: At scale, it makes sense. It's yeah. also like more frustrating than anything. It's like when you when you kind of like can remember a jingle to a song and you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to Google? the What I thought yeah. the lyrics were? <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Like, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. And you're off by like just a ridiculous amount. Yeah. yeah.
0: Going back to the content uh, minutes, I think about this all the time and it's why we're even here shooting YouTube content is because... The average, uh, I think, Instagram reel is the average watch time for Instagram reels is like eleven seconds or eight seconds. It's so short. Yeah. The average watch time, uh, duration of watch time for a YouTube video is like eight or nine minutes. Yeah. When you look at how many YouTube or how many IG reels you have to make to hit one video, yeah, dude, it's (laughs) like I should just put all my eggs in this basket of the problem is it's harder
2: to grow on YouTube at the beginning, so you have to be willing to endure. That's that's.
0: But like, I think it's getting more formulated, like, like yeah. that you could figure out how to go viral on, or have a larger reach on YouTube. Like somebody that's done a great job with this is Pat Wallace from Star Story. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Started He's at refreshing. zero, just talked to the right people, brought him in there, in, there, yeah. in into his corner and figured out how to go viral, how to get hundreds of thousands of views. Yeah,
2: there's so many things he did that I love. The the first thing is he identified that when you're starting from scratch, base, I call it cult hopping, but basically taking somebody who has an existing audience, bringing them in as a guest. Like that's, yeah. not, a, that's not a novel idea, yeah. but like he did that really well. Why are you here? Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna repost this. So yeah, exactly.
2: No, no, dude, we're homies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah, like, we'll we're... be homies after this. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Content is only takes one live pod, and then you're like boys forever. Yeah. So I feel like, dude, I, that's
1: like the most true thing of all time. Yeah, like everyone that comes on the pod, like afterwards, is just the the homie.
2: Yeah, crazy. a funny funny thing about that, and then I'll go back to Pat Walls. Is do you know the the three dudes in New York? Hunter, Weiss, Zach Pograb, yeah. and Dylan. Yeah. They yeah. They had like that office. Yeah. So I was always I was like DMing them whatever like everybody DMs them. And then one time I was in New York and I was just like, yo, I'm gonna pull up to the office. And we just hung out for like an hour. And now like anything any of them do, I'm supporting them for life. Like I'm I'm number one right there. And all we did was have one in-person conversation. And so as someone who like lives remote, kind of like in my own little cave, I realize, like, you just can't replicate Dude, the in-person. It's, it's super no, real.
1: Man. We're we're hosting a dinner tonight. Yeah. And, like, we've got probably, like, 14, 15 brands coming. And, That's like, dope. I sell services to brands. But I don't, like, sell, sell. Like, I'm not, like, a pushy salesperson. Yeah. And something I, like, objectively know is that I have exchanged remote sales calls with these people. We've texted. They're, like, right at the finish line but don't have that one thing to push nice. them over. They're going to meet me a little little today. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I'm going <laughs> to feed them some... Chicken parm. Yeah. Exactly. And like it's it's going to lead to ROI. Like, yeah. And I think people just really devalue it. sounds so, you know, that's the pasta revenue relationship yeah, right there. The, you know? the best thing we did
0: for marketing exam was get an office. Yeah. And be in person and build relationships with each other. Yeah. And to the point, too, like we, we were talking about, anybody that comes in and spends an hour with us, like they love us yeah, or sure. they love everybody on the team. Yeah. And it got to the point where people were just showing up on Tuesdays and Thursdays to work. Yeah. Because they're just like, dude, I feel like I'm part of this, this yeah. squad. Like I'm yeah. doing my own thing. I'm in this corner, but I feel like I'm just part of this squad. 100%. And it's beautiful.
2: I think yeah. I think you, you're more efficient from like a productivity minute by minute perspective remote, yes. but you, you can't get people to root for you and you yes. can't build the actual bond to like, if you want someone to go an extra two hours without you asking them to actually make it dope, you can't get that unless you're in person, like unless you
0: were in person to build the relationship. There's a reason Zoom even has offices. Yeah, have you seen that, yeah, that mean that's like, that's a great call. They have a huge building, purely yeah, out, nothing but offices. I'm really concerned yeah.
1: about all the like, you know, AR spatial computing stuff. I mean, I know you guys got the Vision Pro and like, yeah, like, I just I think that's like drifting towards a really detached world. Yeah, and like, what does that do for not just necessarily like, you know, in interpersonal social interaction, but like at a macro level, like workplace productivity. Yeah, like well, we I, we got to think about those things a on a spectrum. Though
2: I would. So V1 is not, not this, but on a spectrum of like remote and in-person, the VR is closer to, will give you closer to in-person. Cause basically what is, what is an in-person interaction? It's my brain registering that you're right there and yeah. I'm looking you in the eyes and like we're forming this connection. Zoom, you don't have that. Cause like most people on Zoom are looking at themselves. They're yeah. not really like, True even enough. if they're looking at the camera, they're not looking at someone's eyes. Yeah. VR will get closer though, because in VR, you don't need to look at, a camera, you're looking at the person in the eyes, even though it's not their real eyes. So I feel like it can, tr-
1: when it's good, it will trick your brain. Which is exactly you're what there. Gen Z wants, right? Yeah, like the ability to like <laughs> make eye <laughs> yeah, yeah, contact. Yeah, but not exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> no, it'll get closer. I, that's the most bullish vision reason, reason for the uh, Vision Pro is you know, it's going to like make it easy to fake being like competent. Socially. Yeah,
2: yeah. The the one thing I want to say about Pat Walls before we move off is, so I, I'm on this crusade of like like quality yeah. content, and it's mostly just because. I think there's too many people shipping stuff at 70% that are trying to hit this like arbitrary time volume schedule they set out, which the schedule is really helpful to build the habit. So if you're like, I can't get myself to commit to this, I'm going to go daily for a month to like build the habit. But after after a while, like what I noticed for myself is I was shipping videos that were suboptimal just to hit this, like I got to post every day that I created that artificial deadline. So what Pat Walls did, which I think is sick and more people need to do is he took away the deadline and he's just like i'm going to make the dopest video and I, he's gone weeks between videos but when he drops one it's sick yeah. and like that's a 10 out of 10 quality and it will cut through
1: that's and, that's also what uh, those guys at uh founders podcast do like david senra is that david senra or, yeah but he he posts on a or i'm sorry uh not not him i think it's acquired fm acquired yeah Those don't go like months exactly. weeks like and then their podcast will drop and it's like 4 it's hours bang, yeah and everyone just freaks out about it yeah, and i think there is, that's the, that's the zigging when everyone's dagging right exactly. now is everyone's pumping out massive amounts of short form to like, hopefully go viral off yeah. of like one out of every 25. Yeah. And they're like, nah, we'll just, I, I just think
2: it's the wrong strategy. Like if, if even, if it's a hits driven business, what do you want to have more hits? Like, so the filler doesn't do anything. So like if spending two days instead of one, I, I think people's argument is like, they don't know what's going to be a hit, yeah. they, but, but I think. If you have 10 out of 10 attempts and you don't know what's going to be a hit, that's fine. But a lot of people are doing six out of 10, seven out of 10 effort to try to throw volume. Seven out of 10 is never going viral. It's just not going to.
0: At the beginning, would you put out the volume to essentially learn what are the common denominators before you're like, okay, now I could just try hit after hit after hit after hit?
2: At the beginning, I would try. Basically, the whole goal at any stage is make the best possible thing you can with your skills today yeah. Go up against that skill ceiling and then try to increase the ceiling slowly. So at the beginning you have no skill, so it should be quicker to hit the ceiling. You should be able to put it out every single day at the beginning. Cause you're like, I don't know. I don't know audio. All I know is like to cut this a little bit. Okay, perfect. Now I cut it. Now let's go up and up and up. But now like I'm up here with my skill ceiling. So like, could I drop a video that's five out of 10? Yes. But I know it won't do well because it's just,
0: it's leaving storytelling to be desired. Right. It's like, it's just a suboptimal rep. What's the biggest skill you're thinking in regards to shipping high quality content? Is it the storytelling? Is it the visuals? Is it is it sound design? Like, what are you thinking is when I ship yeah, it, it needs to be?
2: It's a ladder, but I, storytelling is the first rung on the ladder to master. Cause I was actually thinking this earlier to, or like yesterday, really everything boils down to storytelling. It's yeah. like what you tell your partner, what you tell your friends, what you tell your boss in terms of like how you've done stuff, what you're telling in content. It's yeah. all just like, can you tell a good story, like yeah. an entertaining story or whatever the story is. So if you can be a good storyteller, like Oren's a great example of this. I would say his visuals are good and his editing is good, but it's not 10 out of 10 quality, but his storytelling is sick. And so he can go viral all the time with amazing story. So like, if you just master that, it'll work really well. Then you want to ladder stuff on top of that. So the way I did it was like to the point where my first fifty videos, I didn't even use a mic. I just yelled into the laptop mic because I wanted to prove to myself that I could go viral without good quality. Mm. So I just started with storytelling. Then and that was obviously stupid. Like I should have used, it. <laughs> yeah. I should have used the fucking mic. <laughs> like,
0: Why well, are you shipping five yeah. out of ten audio? Did yeah, that, classic, was, that, like, that was super like
1: that clip's gonna go viral and everyone's gonna be just shouting at their fucking laptop. Yeah, that, that was super great la- video,
0: but get a new mic. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. super lazy
2: of me to be honest. But I started with storytelling, and then the next thing was okay, I want the the pacing to be dialed. Then after the pacing, I was like, I want the audio to be crisp. And then after that, it was like, yeah. I want the visuals to up level. And I'm still like, I'm only a year in. Like, yeah. I, I always think to myself, like, imagine what's gonna happen when I'm actually good at this shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. like I haven't really even learned. What's yeah. your
0: storytelling structure? Like, I, cause you're, you're really good at it. I mean, you, with your, for example, your Stanley video is phenomenal. Yeah. What, what is, how are you structuring these stories?
2: So the thing is like, at first I tried to come up with like, what are some, Frameworks that I could distill out of this, but a lot of it is second nature, which is frustrating to people who are listening. There's a rough, like, (laughs) because they're gonna be like, "Yeah, that's not how I'm just nice." Yeah, (laughs) I would say I would say the the rough strategy is like, it's what the it's what the South Park guys say, right? Like, two the two main lessons that they delivered. One is you want if someone only heard line one, will they want to go to line two? Yeah, and just down the whole way. That's that cuts all the fluff. And then the other thing they said is basically you want to use, but and therefore like head fakes, because if everything is like, I did this and then this, and then this, it just gets monotonous. But if you're like, I did this, but then this thing happened. And then, so then I did this, but then, and if you keep going back and forth, so it's really like, it boils down to those two lessons. And if you do it enough times, those become second nature and you can like pattern match. So for the Stanley video, like the Stanley video, I think it started with something like, something crazy is happening with Stanley cups, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people, and I'm, I experiment with different strategies. And so not all my videos go viral cause I'm like testing shit out. But yeah, basically like you want to tell people right away what the video is about in the first line. And then the whole thing, it becomes a dance of like how to get them to want to, get them to go through all the way. And how do you head fake them on something that they weren't expecting?
1: What do you, what's your strategy for coming up with a good hook? It's basically like,
2: it sucks. I'm trying to give tactical advice, but a lot of it is like when you're writing, a, when I was writing a rap song, basically what I would do is I'd put a beat on and I'd loop the first little bit of the beat, like the little interlude before yeah. the beat drops. And I would just loop it over and over. And whatever whatever first line came out, whatever wherever my brain went yeah. is what I'd run with. Because I, I feel like most of video is audio and most of audio is subconscious to the brain. Like you just want it to sound good. And so with hooks, I'm not thinking about like what I say, I'm more thinking about like, is it punchy? Is, it, is the intonation in my voice like compelling? Am I asking a question? Like, I try
1: to make it really tight. I can totally see how you were able to skate by at like Deloitte on like 10 hours a week. <laughs> yeah, just like, like bullshitting. you, just, you yeah. just have no idea what's going on and just come off the dome in there. Yeah. Better than like 90% of those consultants. That's,
2: that's my favorite. There's also like visual hooks too. So there's a combination of like what you say, how you say it, and then there's like visual. So something I've been testing is this idea of the first scene is you're looking down and there's a huge visual at the bottom. And the visual that you show is something like shocking. So this video about the AI girlfriends, I saw that thing on Twitter. It's basically someone from Pixar left and made like a Pixar version of like this redhead chick with like huge boobs. And it was just like super low cut shirt. And I was like, I know that's going viral. So I, instead of being like, AI girlfriends are going to be a thing, I used the picture to sell it. So I was just like, damn, we're fucked. And I just had the picture and you, <laughs> you can literally see like, so like I did that where I looked down and I just knew that that's way more compelling. Like a picture's worth a thousand words, right? So that's way more compelling. So sometimes I'll do stuff like that. But I I think a a fun exercise would be just come up with a story or come up with a a video idea right now, or like a brand right now. And I'll tell you like off the dome, like what a couple hooks that I'd come up with would be. And I'd workshop it though. Like after I write one down, it's like, how does that sound? And I keep kind of going.
1: How how many would you say that you go through? Like how many iterations of a hook? Usually to write a script, it takes me like, it could be from 20
2: to, 40 minutes, depending on how like in depth I'm trying to go. And I, the way I rap is the way I write the script. So like, I'll write the first line and then I'll write the second line. I'll read one and two. Then I write the third line. I read one, two, three, and I continue to read it over and over because I want the pocket of my words to like be soothing.
0: Yeah. So how are you thinking about it? Like let's brainstorm a video for the Apple vision pro. Yeah. And and let's say, let's take a, how to integrate it into, into business, right? Into monetizing or something. Yeah,
2: so I'd, I had a video on this and it was trash and I, the hook was trash. And I, I, I don't know why I put this hook out, but I was like, the Apple Vision Pro. And then I said, that was a waste, right? Because that, yeah. that first little line is telling you nothing. I wanted to, I thought if I just signaled Apple Vision Pro, people would could, like, watch it. You back off the, the social program. Yeah, that was, but, but see, it's those. almost
1: like they've seen too much Apple Vision Pro yeah. content. So that's, that's exactly a perfect illustration of the point we've been trying to make over this podcast is like the sauce is what matters. Exactly. And so if you're just doing some sort of dog whistle about the Apple Vision Pro, it's not gonna really resonate unless you and if you say something hella contrarian, yeah. like, you know, the Apple Vision Pro is gonna ruin everything. Yeah, exactly. So a, the,
2: a hook, I, would, so I made that and then I, as I was editing, I was like, damn it, this is not gonna work. And I was just too lazy to go back and refilm. So I was like, let me just try to like ship it with it. It didn't yeah. work. So the hook I would use is something like, in a business context, I would say like, like nobody's gonna go to work ever again, or mm. uh, or like the Apple Vision, like the Apple Vision Pro is gonna change work forever. It's kind of soft, but like, that's like a core idea. So you're like, okay, how could it change work? What could I say that's like super provocative? I try not to, like, there's some people that make videos go viral by like mispronouncing words on purpose and stuff. Yeah, I try not to do that
0: mostly because I don't even try, I mispronounce everything.
2: Yeah, well, if it's an accident, it's fine. But like, <laughs> yeah, like, like would, a, would a famous author purposely miswrite something? Like, no, they,
1: they, so. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's like a cheap trick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so another thing to think about is, you know, I think Apple Vision Pro is, I mean, could this be more, you know, like spread across the entire culture right now? Like, it's extremely difficult to come up with a new take about it Yeah. as well. Like, yeah. So you're definitely piggybacking on something that's really well known. Like you're gonna have to really find some novelty yeah. in the video you're trying to make about it to stand out. My
2: take was I'm returning it. So like, I, so in the video, I, I should have started with, I'm returning the Apple Vision Pro. I buried that six sentences but, in, but which was stupid. That would have
1: been, been phenomenal
0: though. Like, fa- falling
1: yeah. on either side of that debate though, because that's kind of like what I, at least what I saw on social was you had um, Casey Neistat was like, this is the most game-changing, you know, yeah, like yeah. all the way on the supportive side. And then there's, you know, Andrew Wilkinson comes out and he's like, I don't think the form factor is going to work because, you know, it leaves like an imp- a red impression on, like everyone was taking a stance on exactly. it. Exactly. And I truly think, you know, those people already have massive audiences. So people are kind of going to them for the take. Yeah. But to stand out, could you be like, you know, I, someone said they thought the quest was gonna destroy the Apple Vision Pro. Yeah. So that's a good, that's yeah. a good and I take to yeah. explain. Or being like, you know, sure everyone's talking about the Apple Vision Pro, but we're not talking about magic leap from Qualcomm. This is the thing that people are gonna actually wear. Yeah.
2: And that would probably work. Like my video, I was kind of like, in my head, I thought, okay, the whole point is I'm gonna return it. Yeah. So I'm gonna build the video up where I'm like, it's amazing, it's the best thing ever. And then I'm gonna hit with a head fake, like, but I'm returning it, which is how I did it. But short forms too, it's too quick, too yeah. short attention. I should have led with. Which is what I did on YouTube that actually worked. Like, I'm returning the Apple Vision Pro and then go into it. That's a good example where it's like, I think I can go viral most times that I want if the story's right. But that I should have been able to and didn't. Like, I not every rep is good, but that's I spent eight hours making that video or whatever it was, stayed up like late trying to make it because I was just on a wave. You got to put the you got to put the shitty reps in to get the good reps, and that's just there's just no way around it.
0: Are you gonna do? Are you gonna go into long form content outside of the podcast? I know you just kind of started dabbling in it, but yeah. thinking of really in that content in minutes and how much you get somebody to, to go down that funnel and consume and essentially like treat your content like a TV show. Are you going to go down that rabbit hole or scale that yeah. operation?
2: I am. Yeah. So basically there's, there's three types. I was like four, there's three types of, of YouTube videos I'm going to make. The pod is one, which is great. Cause it's just like, yeah. you talk, the problem is those aren't designed for retention unless someone likes it already. Discover it, but like usually, the pod people don't put their best stuff at the beginning, it's kind of just like the free form conversation. So, that's just going to grow super slow, yeah. but that's okay. The other two types I'm going to try to do a weekly vlog, which is blueprint. And me kind of like basically, my thinking is anytime I come up with something that would go in blueprint, I'm just going to raw riff it into the camera and stitch together those clips over the week. And then when I go to write it on Sunday, I will have already thought through it and can like get through the writing quicker. So, I don't know how I don't know what format I'm going to present those in because if you think if you imagine a vlog, it's like that's not somebody really talking into the camera about right. something. It's kind of yeah. like, There's gotta be like some
1: sort of blend of education. Yeah.
2: So I gotta, I gotta learn, I gotta learn how to do that. So that's the second type. The third type is I'm trying to make like actually high quality, like 10 minute YouTube videos. And I'm between either taking a concept from blueprint and really breaking it down or picking like a cult brand that does something crazy, like a short I would make, but extending the short with like more analysis and I have an editor for those. So yeah. like, that's, but these are, there's a whole new skill, right? So it's always a balance of like, I have yeah. short form working. I know the formula. I know it generates a ton of top line, but it's actually not generating a lot of content minutes, a lot of fandom. So it's like, how much do I ease off the gas on that to then divert my Just time? Something's got to give. Yeah. yeah.
1: How, how are you viewing like long-term monetization on those things too? Cause I think you made a really good point earlier. Like a brand, a brand deal will come in for 7k and your number on blueprint will be you know, $7,700 versus on a week that you don't have a brand deal, it's only $700. Yeah. And it's like, that's a lot of time and effort to invest when CPMs aren't necessarily going to pay the bills.
2: Yeah. This, this is a, this is a great, a great like thread and I'm open. I'm open for sure. And I think it's important
1: to be open about it because a lot of people feel like they want to scratch their content itch and they don't understand the actual like numbers behind what's going on.
2: My vision is I've always wanted to become like Ronnie Feig or George Heaton. So like, I want to build a lifestyle brand around a movement that I like genuinely fuck with. And the people that buy into it are people like me. So like entrepreneurs and creatives, that's always been my, my like vision. And I knew that I'm not like a fashion guy. Like, I I don't know how to physically make products today. So to start there with no content would just be like what I was doing. So I was like, let me just start with the audience. Now what's happening though. And why, I don't know if you've read like some of the later blueprints, but I've definitely been like, stressed and anxious in the upper section when i talk about emotionally like where i'm feeling and the reason why is this idea i call identity dissonance so like i want to be this but i'm naturally drifting this and naturally drifting towards like people are coming to me for like content strategy and like becoming like an expert in content which is not what you would see george heaton doing like this dude just on a on a vibe and like he makes sick clothes this is completely different, yeah. and and the, as I was branching differently, I was like, "Shit, should I retrace my steps and like try to force this path, or should I just ride the heat and see what happens?" Mm. So, my whole vision now is like, I, anything that touch, anything that would be B to C that touches a consumer, I don't want to charge a consumer anything. So, I'm not going to gate a single piece of knowledge. So, like, mm. every video is going to be free, every newsletter is going to be free. I'm not going to make a paid course that goes to consumers because I w- I want the widest possible. Aperture at the top and I want people to trust me. So like when you think of me, I want you to be like, that dude's dope and everything he gives me is free. He gives all the sauce for free. Almost nobody's doing that today. Mm-hmm. Then I'll monetize with, on the B2B side. So like basically what you guys are doing is the same thing. You mm-hmm. don't charge someone to read the newsletter. You charge a brand to put a placement in. Yeah. And I'm completely fine charging brands anything. So if mm-hmm. I make a course on short form video, it's gonna be 2000 bucks instead of 400. I'm selling it directly to brands to teach their marketers how to do it. Not a creator like me who there. can't afford mm-hmm. 400. So that's how I'm thinking of it now. Is like I'm just going to build the engine for free for consumers, and you know, like I get a lot of brand reach outs to try to do sponsored videos, so I'll do that. But anything that a brand would pay for, I'll I'll, I'll be open to. And at some point, I need to I need to world build th- this. And so, like I'll, I'm right now, I'm like trying to build my or make my own clothes to like wear my own videos as like a sample. And so I'm just going to take it real slow. And I think, like I tr- I truly. The reality is, like, there is no end. That's people think that life is like trying to reach a peak and then you're gonna coast. The reality is, if you are wired to reach that peak, you'll never be able to turn off to coast back down. So the graph of life is just like this forever. And the whole, in terms of like what you're doing, and the whole purpose is like you want to enjoy yourself along the way and like take fruits of the labor along the way. But like, I'm trying to play this game for. I think the peak
0: just keeps going up and up. Yeah, yeah. There is no, there there is is no like plateau. It's just like this. So do just, something incredible and it's like, well, I yeah. want to do something more incredible. Yeah. What is the next layer exactly. of this? And if you
2: look at that, it's like, okay, if I'm 30 now, I want to play this game until I can't think straight anymore. Yeah. And so if that's the case, and like it truly is, I could spend a decade giving shit away for free. And as long as like I can pay the bills, break even on the bill, there will be a time
1: where like yeah, the checks that, come. How do, you, uh, how do you manage shiny objects, syndrome? Cause yeah. you're doing a lot of shit. It's pretty tough,
2: honestly. I didn't have a problem at the beginning
1: when I had no skills.
2: Cause I was like, the only thing I can do is learn how to do this. But now that I'm a little bit better, I get all these opportunities. People are coming like, should we co-build an agency or like random shit like that? Yeah. I think it's tough. Like I, I, I would say I haven't been perfect with focus and I've, I've dabbled. Cause I'm the way my brain, I just love different projects. And I love that idea of like, come to the office and try five different Bunch things. Tinker, dude. It's so sick it's so to fun. do that. I think the way I'm focusing on it now is just like in the season I'm in, if it doesn't get me better at content yeah. or help me uh, world build long-term. So like, like the, maybe there's one project that's not content related. So like right now it's the clothing. I'm trying to figure out, have the production team like trying to figure that out, but that's it. Like Everything else has to be content focused. So if I want to launch a new YouTube series, perfect. That's content. If I want to yeah. make a new newsletter, that's content. But I have to be like, just relentlessly focused for this season. And I don't know how long the season
1: is, but. Why are you creating on Snapchat? I was testing
2: on Snapchat. Basically, anytime you hear something from multiple people, my gut reaction before was like, just ignore if it doesn't fit my narrative. But actually where the gold is, is when you hear something from people you trust multiple different places, and then you're like, oh shit, I should dive deep into that. So I heard like people were printing, I heard this statement of like, all the influencers that we know are only making money from Snapchat. Then I heard again, like Snapchat's printing money. Then I heard again, like, there's heard, so much money in Snapchat, yeah. I kept hearing it. So I was like, okay, instead of resisting, cause I don't like Snapchat, let me lean in. And so what I learned was shocking that, that's a good for the intro. What I learned was shocking <laughs> is that Snapchat pays like 50% revenue splits on the ads they run. So ah. the way Snapchat works is there's two types of ways you can monetize. One is just by posting like story, daily stories, but you have to have hundred thousand followers on Snapchat to get invited to do that. Most people that take forever. Yeah. The other way is you can have a Snapchat show, which is really interesting in that Snapchat, the way YouTube is open, anyone could create a YouTube channel, Snapchat is closed. So the only way to make a show is to get this like Snapchat published, like some Snapchat publisher to approve your show. And it's all this like backdoor bullshit, like you have to know somebody. And so what these publishers have done, which is so smart, and they did this under the radar, no one knew, is they rolled up, they went to creators who didn't have shows and they were like, hey, your content's good, we have the ability to get you a show. Do you want a show? If you have a show and you get this many views, the revenue split we'll take like a fee, whatever. And it just shits money. And so mm-hmm. I, I found some guy that went to my college, reached out, same exact way. He's like, "Do you want a show?" I was like, "Okay." So we're experimenting with it. So I was doing that for like three months, and it was starting to grow. But he kept telling me like the only the only narratives that work best on Snapchat are like pop culture trend yeah, bullshit, like pop. Yeah, so, and I, and, I, and I was like, okay, whatever. I guess it's just the script. I'll do like five in one day and batch it. But what I was realizing over time, and this goes back to the focus thing, is like, I'm trying to be this level of quality. Yeah. The Snapchat was this. Every second I was spending away from this was just Taking wasting time. That, yeah. So I was like, yes, maybe Snapchat could pay me a couple grand a month if I'm doing this, but like, It's just a distraction. It really is. So I kind of paused that for now.
0: But how long do you try it for? So
2: I tried it for a few months, but like the leading indicator, the lagging indicator is the result of it working. The leading is like how I feel doing it and how my time is split. So I just kept feeling like, oh, this is such a nuisance to do. And like, whenever that's in your head, you should stop doing
0: that. So you're doing a bunch of Snapchat like, I want to be doing more Instagram, more YouTube, et cetera. Yeah, because
2: he kept texting me like, yo, wh- when are the next videos coming for Snapchat? And I would keep pushing, pushing it, off it off on my off, list. Yeah, and I, I was like, oh, I'll batch it. And then I tried to batch it and it drained me. And then I couldn't get an Instagram video out that day because I like wasted my juice. And I was like, just not- Procrastination is
0: such a good indicator for what you yeah, should be doing and what 100%. you should not be doing. Yeah, and that's why I anything, like
2: long form. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> that's why long form YouTube I've waited on because- I hate editing long form yeah. YouTube.
1: Mm. It's just, just so like so tri-mazing. I would be such a break from your existing workflow. Yeah.
0: But I love the storytelling in long form YouTube. That's why I'm so Me drawn too. to it. Like I think it's, yeah. it's so great.
2: Yeah. I try basically like anything that you like doing, you tr- you want to find a way to get those fr- get that format to work for you. So I love these like off the dome conversations. So yeah. that's why I'm like live streaming could work cuz that's yeah. basically just off the dome. Yeah. But YouTube is not off the dome. It's like fully scripted for like many, many hours behind the computer editing. That's,
0: I don't like that. That's fair. Yeah. Well, dude, we are wrapped up on an hour. Uh, one, I appreciate you coming out. I know it was a, oh, yeah. again, a long drive to come out here. Yeah. This was awesome. I know you're gonna be all in Austin for South by We're gonna run it back. We gotta sure. run it back in yeah. our vision pros. Let's do it, yeah. Plug yourself, plug the newsletter, everything you're doing, Yeah. let them know where you're at. Perfect, yeah, thank you so much for having
2: me. Um, the best way, I think my best thinking is in the newsletter. And so it's called blueprint right now the URL is Letter, so like www.espressoletter.com. Makes no sense why it's called espresso letter. I get that. I'm, I'm
0: going to change this. Does these. Jay-Z own blueprint or what? No, right? like
2: I, it my newsletter was the originally called newsletter. espresso. Yeah, it yeah, was, it web was kind of 1. like web three and, to, and other topics. And then blueprint was a series, but then I just wanted to only do that. So. That's blueprint. We have a podcast called weekends, weekends with no vowels, WKNDS. You can get that on YouTube, but to be honest, everything that I make is just under the Callaway, Kane Callaway with two Ks is what I go by. So Dope. appreciate you guys having me. Yeah.
0: Of course, man. And for any of you, uh, if you want us to, to film a free game segment on the pod where you give us your brand and we essentially tell you how to grow it, remember to email us at pod at com. Like, subscribe. We got to say it. We hate saying it. You hate hearing it, but we got to do it. It's just part of the, part of the game. Um, and then you can find me, Alex Garcia underscore ATX. And
1: yeah, add Brian underscore Bloom on all platforms.
0: Dope. We'll run it back in March. Dope. Yeah.
1: Thank you.